everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere and I'm Bobby Sylvester. Today we're going to have guest Jim Sanis of NumberFire.com on to chat about Week 7 rankings and start-sit questions. But first we're going to be chatting about a contest we're going to be doing against you all. Tags is on a whole one-game winning streak against me, so you've got to be feeling pretty confident, right, Tags? <laughs> yeah, a one-game winning streak. I didn't even, honestly, it was such a bad DFS week, I didn't even take a look at the contest we had for our listeners last week uh, on DraftKings, but this one is is a, is a totally different one. It's really fun, and I think it's going to give our users, our listeners, I should say, uh, a new experience. Bobby, are you going to explain the contest as to what this entails? Yes, it is a really cool contest. I'm excited to compete in it. I I don't care that everybody else is going to be doing it with me. I just want to play this because it sounds really fun. So DraftKings set up an exclusive contest for Fantasy Pros listeners. It's a $1 entry fee. First place wins a lifetime Fantasy Pro subscription and a thousand bucks. Half the field is going to get payouts and you can all check it out at fantasypros.com slash DraftKings. That way you can compete against us all for the prizes, including the big one. So this is a pick'em type contest. We're going to have a handful of players in each tier. I think there's eight tiers, and you have to choose one from each tier. There's no salary cap. You just pick the best player from each tier, and it might help to be contrarian in one or two. That way you can separate yourself from the pack. So Tags, why don't you tell us who you like here in tier one? Yeah, well, this is the opportunity for you to almost essentially compete against the experts, right? Where I have people all the time saying, Mike, why did you choose this guy over this guy and this guy over this guy? Where it's like, this is like the tiers where, where most people have the most difficult discussions uh, among players. So the first tier with Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, and LaShawn McCoy, it's that's a smaller tier. Usually you're going to see a lot more players in each tier. But in this top one, it's forcing you to choose which one you want to pay up for, right? And you have Todd Gurley against tough Arizona defense, Fournette with the ankle injury. And then you have LaShawn McCoy coming off his bye to play a Tampa Bay defense that just allowed Adrian Peterson to find the fountain of youth. So <laughs> LaShawn McCoy, LaShawn McCoy seems like the easy pick here. But again, you guys could be like, Mike, Leonard Fournette's just too hot. Todd Gurley's just too hot. And go against me. But I'm playing LaShawn McCoy, and I'm not going to be shy about yeah, that. Yeah, you could make a case for any of those guys. And uh, in Tier 2, it's also a small tier. You've got three players, Larry Fitzgerald, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, I actually love Mike Evans. I'm going to have a hard time turning away from Michael Thomas with Green Bay. You can't go wrong with either of those two. I don't think Fitzgerald belongs in this tier, to be honest. Um, I'm leaning towards Mike Evans, but I might change my mind and go Mike Thomas. Yeah, I don't know. Mike Thomas coming off his career worst game last week, just 11 yards in a week that I touted him. So I'm looking forward to him getting back on track this week. So Michael Thomas, but Mike Evans, it's hard to pass. Well, also, Jameis Winston might be hurt. Um, He's not even going to throw the ball until later in the week, so we won't know yet, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's also another thing to throw into it. So it's like Drew Brees against a, a Green Bay defense without Aaron Rodgers kind of controlling the clock. Good luck. Yeah. Man. All right. Tier three quarterbacks. Who are you looking at here, Tags? You have one or two guys you're targeting? Eh, I mean, Cam Newton is is what he is, and he's running the ball a lot more, which is obviously raising his floor. You have Drew Brees, you have Marcus Mariota in here against Cleveland, which is a really, really good matchup, but the run game is starting to come alive, so this one's a really tough one. This is one where it's going to like go out, go out throughout the week, and it's going to force me to decide, but again, if I'm, if I'm picking Mike Thomas, I'm probably going to go with Drew Brees. Yeah, that makes sense. The thing is, the game script's, I think, going to be different. You know, typically the Saints would be, I think, playing for behind at Green Bay, but with Aaron Rodgers not there, it's not going to be a shootout. There's going to be more more running. Yeah. Um, I'm not really so sure what to expect here. Like this would be an absolute gimme if Aaron Rodgers was still there. But as <laughs> for now, 
I think I'm probably going to go contrarian here because any of these quarterbacks could do it. I don't think many people are going to pick Carson Palmer. You're probably right in that aspect, and and it's pretty easy to say Carson Palmer. The Rams defense hasn't been great this year. They've been a little worse against the run than against the pass, but this is where things start to separate, right? Where you're like, well, how many different lineups can people really have? When you start to see these bigger tiers, you can kind of figure that out. And if someone wants to take, you know, that tournament approach, like you just said, it's actually, it might be a smart thing when you have a a field of 3,500 people, which is what I believe that this contest is limited to. But yeah, Vegas odds makers agree where the Saints are actually favored going into Green Bay this week. Now for tier four, you talk about that Saints game. Brett Hundley is a really interesting player. Like we're talking about uh, backup quarterbacks here. Okay, not backup quarterbacks, but our second quarterback on our roster. And it's ugly. You've got Jared Goff, Josh McCown, Tyrod Taylor, Blake Bortles, Hundley. I like Taylor coming off the bye. He has no one to pass to. Tampa has been easy to pass against. Um, But Hundley is a really interesting option. I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls a Matt Flynn and goes for 400 yards or six touchdowns (laughs) like Flynn did back in the day. I'm sure this might be the only time I'll ever say this, but Blake Bortles is actually a really interesting option this week against Indianapolis. Shame with- on you, Tags. Shame. Yeah, no, yeah, I should be shamed for it, to be honest with you. But know this. The Colts have not allowed a quarterback to finish outside the top 14 in any one week this year. And considering that Leonard Fournette may not be 100%, uh, yeah, I'm kind of liking Blake Bortles as a, a streamer this week. Interesting. Okay, so tier I'm five. I'm sure we're going to talk about it with Jim once he comes on. If we don't really need to talk about Blake Bortles, like no one's going to start him. I mean, <laughs> I guess if you're if you're talking about streamers, you can make your case. I'm not starting him. Uh, tier five is a flex tier. You've got uh, three running backs, uh, Mark Ingram, Jarek McKinnon, Adrian Peterson, all off hot weeks. Then you've got Jarvis Landry, Adam Thielen. Kelvin Benjamin. So uh, which of these six do you like here? Oh, I mean, it's it's hard not to go back to Jarvis Landry. Obviously, he's becoming a favorite of Jay Cutler. He's got at least 10 targets in four of their five games. And this is full PPR. Yeah. Yeah. Devontae Parker is banged up. I, I'm probably going to lean Jar- Jarvis Landry here. He offers me a floor and, and I think I'll have enough upside throughout the rest of my lineup. I want to win. So I'm going for a guy who can get a touchdown. It's not Jarvis Landry. I think it's one <laughs> of the running backs. Uh, I, I don't think Jarek McKinnon will get in the end zone for the third straight week. So I'm thinking, Mark Ingram or Adrian Peterson. I know Adrian Peterson's not that good, but he had 26 carries, man. Yeah, I don't know if he ever has 26 carries again this season. There's people that are actually concerned that he's going to steal work from David Johnson once David Johnson no, comes back. No, 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 no. I've heard people saying that they're going to offer Adrian Peterson for like Michael Thomas. Guys, if you oh. do that, no one's going to trade with you ever again. They're not going to accept that trade like People are not that stupid. I'm sorry. If they do, I mean, celebrate. Like, I guess. Like, yeah. And don't play in that league ever again. I guess it is free money, but. It is free money. You got to take advantage of that. All right. Tier six tags. Who do you have? Oh, there's a, there's a lot of players in this tier and it's one where I'm going to like be forced to sit down and go through. Uh, but Jay Ajayi against the Jets is very interesting. Stands because- out. Yeah, it does, because not many people are going to pick him, because obviously the way he played against the Jets the last time they played, I want to say he had like 16 yards on 11 carries or something like that, but that was also the week where he was missing practice time, his knee injury was acting up, he's played a lot better as of the last couple weeks, and the Jets are kind of like overdue for a game to just fall flat on their face. Yeah, oh, big time, way overdue, they've been overdue for a couple weeks now. Uh, If Luke Kuechly doesn't play, my guy's Jordan Howard in this tier. Yeah. No, and and that's and that's the thing is like you know once you get to these tiers in the in the six seven eight you're looking at eight players in each tier so it's really tough to hone down and it, and it forces you to think about it but it's really neat and that's that's where it's like you know you're not forced to come up with a lineup like you are in the regular DraftKings lineups where this one's just like yeah. pick them everybody's picking from the same players and it comes down to that but make sure if you guys missed the link for whatever reason it is fantasypros.com forward slash DraftKings and it's just a dollar to enter I mean give it a shot right. 
Yeah, you can win some big bucks and a lifetime membership. Uh, let's close out really quick with tiers seven and tiers eight. Then we'll get on to our guest, Jim Sanis of numberfire.com. Uh, in tier seven, I'm actually going with the tight end, Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, he's just a touchdown machine, man. He's, he's going against Miami too. Well, what's funny about that is that I'm going with a tight end here as well, but it's not Austin Safarian Jenkins. It's actually Delaney Walker, who is going to play too. Yeah, I think he's going to be the number one tight end play this week. I think he scores a touchdown here. He hasn't scored a a receiving touchdown all season yet, but uh, this is a week where he scores against Cleveland. Yeah, he did get that running touchdown, though, and he looked great doing it. Uh, It was against my Jags and Delaney Walker can still play, man. Okay, tier eight. This one is ugly. Um, (laughs) I'm going with Sammy Watkins if Patrick Peterson's out. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like maybe Deshaun Jackson, he could have a big game. Well, that that game is taking place in London. They are it, the Cardinals already did fly over to London. Patrick Peterson said his his hamstring felt better than he thought it would and that he will play on Sunday. So uh, take that for what you will. Uh, I'm not trusting Sammy Watkins right now. Instead, I would probably take my chances on someone like John Brown, who's been playing more and more more snaps. And Tremaine Johnson, the number one corner for the Rams, and he's a perimeter cornerback. He actually suffered a concussion in week six, so he's very questionable for this week. So John Brown is probably my guy. So if you want to join Tags and I to compete for a lifetime Fantasy Pro subscription and a thousand bucks, just go to fantasypros.com slash DraftKings. We're now joined by guest Jim Sanis of numberfire.com. Jim, how's your week going, man? It is great. It's kind of upsetting because it's week seven already. I don't want it to go this quickly, but like outside of that, I'm, pre- I'm pretty good. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm bummed out because I'm a Celtics fan and Gordon Hayward yeah, just like man, had his tough. career end last oh, night. Yeah. That was that horrible, was man. I missed it. Thankfully, um, I was looking down. Don't look at the replay. No, good no. No, 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 no. And if you retweet it into my timeline, I will be very upset. Um, like, I can't handle that stuff, man. That's just brutal. That, that stinks. For, I, I was for him wondering for if Celtics. his foot actually fell off. Like, yeah, you, the way that it was sitting there, I, I didn't know if it was actually connected. Sorry, sorry, guys. I shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Too no. descriptive. No, very descriptive. I feel like I went back to 1990 today. I got a house phone. Um, I don't know how else to say this. I was one of the... Uh, <laughs> I was one of the first of my generation. Like, I, I kid you not, it's been like 13 years since I've had a house phone. And um, with, with some of the radio stuff I've been doing, I, I, my, my cell service has been dropping in my office. So I've been forced to to get <laughs> – I told my wife, I'm like, don't even – like, seriously, buy the most the cheapest one. She's like, you don't want a cordless one? I'm like, no, it is literally just going <laughs> to sit on my desk. Give me a corded one so I have like one of these old school telephones on my desk. And it's, it brings <laughs> me back. Awesome. It brings me back to like my childhood. That happened to me last week. I was doing a radio interview for uh, a show down in Florida, and uh, he asked me who my streaming defense of the week was. And right before I could say the Saints, I'm not making this up, right before I can say the Saints, <laughs> call dropped. So they didn't get the information that would have won them their games. It's a, it's a tragedy. That sucks. Oh, that, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty brutal. Yeah. Okay, guys. So we're doing a start-sit show, and we're going to be talking about players who are right on the fringe of starting standard 10, 12-team leagues. Maybe we'll talk about a few other players, too, who jump out as uh, too high or too low in the rankings. We'll go one position at a time. Let's start at quarterback. Uh, Tags, is there a player you want to talk about? Uh, one player that's kind of sitting on my um, the borderline is Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been a season where you you can only remove so many options from a starting quarterback before you start feeling a little woozy about starting him. And I've kind of gotten there with Tyrod Taylor, like, you know, to go from Zay, like they drafted Zay Jones, right? The first they let, like, let's start there. They drafted Zay Jones. They, they, they let Robert Woods go away in free agency. 
They end, they end, then trade Sammy Watkins. Then they bring in Jordan Matthews. Then they bring in Andre Holmes. And it's like, okay, there's a bunch of crap going on here. Charles Clay gets hurt. And well, now Zay Jones is really bad at football. Like he's just not a very good player right now. He's like one of the worst in terms of efficiency wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, Charles Clay is hurt. Andre Holmes is is what he is. Jordan Matthews is going to miss this game. So it's like, how many pieces can you take away before we start saying, okay, Tyrod Taylor may not be a very good streaming quarterback anymore? Because I mean, over the last two weeks against Atlanta and Cincinnati, 12.4 fantasy points and 8.9 fantasy points. Uh, Jim, am I wrong in thinking that Tyrod Taylor is not such a great streamer right now, even in a good matchup against Tampa Bay? I mean, where is he throwing the ball? Like, besides Sean McCoy, who can catch? You're basically banking on a rushing touchdown if you start Tyrod this week. And I I get it. Like, if you're in a deeper league and you have no choices or if it's like a super flex league, like, you may not have a choice. But, like, beyond that, how do you have any faith in Tyrod right now? Until Clay gets back, like, I'm really doing whatever I can to avoid using him because it's just such a bleak situation right now. I'm actually on the opposite side of you guys here. I've got Tyrod in my top 12. Um, you look at him. He's been a top six quarterback each of the past two seasons. I know he hasn't quite done it yet this season, but um, you know he's had a few good games, and he's also had one of the hardest schedules. Now for the rest of the season, I think if you lose Aaron Rodgers, you go make a move for Tyrod Taylor. He has the easiest schedule remaining the rest of the season. They're going to be playing from behind, so he's going to have to pass. I mean, he just threw 37 passes against Cincinnati, and he's getting all those rushing yards like if he qualified at running back, you might start him. <laughs> You're like, right? Like he, he he gets a lot of rushing yards. Well, that's the thing is like he did throw 37 passes against Cincinnati and he had his worst fantasy game of the season. And that's the thing. Is Cincinnati like, has want... a really good pass defense. Tampa right, Bay has but... a horrible pass defense. Well, right. But who's he throwing to? Like, seriously, who like like let's let's stop for a second and say I, if Tyrod Taylor throws the ball 40 times. How many times is he going to complete the pass first? And how many times can we project a touchdown to to Zay Jones, to Andre Holmes, to uh, Nick O'Leary? Like, it's just so ugly. And it's funny, Bobby, you mentioned it. I lost Aaron Rodgers in a league and I picked up Tyrod Taylor and I'm sitting here looking at it like I'm actually debating and I'm I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm debating starting Blake Bortles. I'm I'm debating grabbing Blake Bortles to play against Indianapolis rather than I am playing Tyrod Taylor. And Jim, this is something that we talked about in the DraftKings contest that we're, we're running this week. How do you feel about Blake Bortles? Do you think that he's actually a quality streamer this week yeah. against Indianapolis, who, <laughs> by the way, no quarterback has finished with fewer than 15, uh, or is the QB 14 against them in any given week? Yeah, so not really. Um, like, I'm not, I, I can't really go to Bortles because the thing is, I want my quarterbacks to be in either neutral or positive game script. And if Jacksonville is in neutral or positive game script, they're going to run the football. Like Doug Marone has said that from day one, that he wants to run the football as much as humanly possible. And to me, that means there's not a lot of upside in Bortles. Maybe he gets a bump with Fournette being banged up, uh, but I don't know if that would actually help the offense at all. So Marquise Lee sat out practice Wednesday too. That's been his like his big deep target. I, I, I can't go there. Like he'll have low ownership, which is good and a good matchup. They're playing inside, which is good too. Like there are reasons to like him. But my process is to target quarterbacks who will be in either neutral or slightly positive uh, game flow. And I don't know if he'll ever get any volume in those scenarios. Oh, no, no. So, Jim, who's a quarterback that you're looking at this week that you would probably start over? Because obviously we're not fans of Tyrod Taylor, Blake Bortles. Who's a, a quarterback that if someone lost Aaron Rodgers, that they may be able to go to the waiver wire and snag to play this week? I mean, people have dropped Ben Roethlisberger, and he's back at home. I know since he's good, but Drake Kirkpatrick and Adam Jones are both banged up. If people have dropped Mm -hmm. Big Ben, 
I think he's a really viable option for this week. And I don't love Jared Goff, but I think he's at least interesting. And part of that is due to pace in that game. The Rams have the highest situation neutral pace in the entire league. And the Cardinals are 13th. And the the Rams favored by three and a half points. Again, that kind of goes back to the game script discussion I just had. Patrick Peterson is not fully healthy. So while I wouldn't necessarily want to use any of the Rams pass catchers based on Peterson being there and based on the ambiguity there, I think that Goff is at least interesting in a situation where they should be able to score some points. So I think that Goff is a guy I can consider going back to. I would use him over Bortles this week. I would use him probably over Tyrod this week as well, too. So I've got Big Ben number 13, so he is on my radar, but uh, I have another guy I like as well. I want to ask you, though, Tags, like, is Blake Bortles sitting there on your roster? What? How is this an no, option? No, 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 he, no. He's sitting there on the waiver wire, and I'm debating okay. picking him up to start over Tyrod because I just I don't feel comfortable with Tyrod. And no, if Roethlisberger yeah. was available, that would be my number one pickup. I'm sitting there looking at guys like Tyrod Taylor was there, Blake Bortles was there, Trevor Simeon's there, um, Brett Hunley's there. And I, I, I yeah. don't feel great about any of these options. And it's just like, who has the best matchup here? And it's got to be Bortles. And I think, Jim, you mentioned it, is the fact that Leonard Fournette is banged up. It could be a week where they're forced to throw a little bit more than they, they've wanted to. Jared Goff's a really interesting one because the Arizona Cardinals, the stat I have on them is that if you go over since the start of the 2016 season, the Cardinals have really sucked on the road. And there's really no other way to sugarcoat that. They've allowed 27 points per game on the road, whereas they've only allowed 19 points per game at home. They've been a different team. They've already allowed four quarterbacks to top 20 fantasy points this season. The issue is trying to figure out Okay, where can they take advantage of mismatches? Because if Patrick Peterson's going to take care of Sammy Watkins, does Robert Woods and Cooper Cup step up again? I suppose that's possible because Robert Woods has actually played really good football the last couple of weeks. So I think Jared Goff is an interesting one and one I may be forced to think about over Tyrod Taylor. I want to go back to the Bortles thing really quick. Like even if Fournette is somehow scratched, like you run the ball 30 times with Chris Ivory before you pass it 25 times with Blake Bortles. Even if... Chris Ivory somehow gets an injury as well. You do the same thing with Corey Grant and you do it with Tommy Bohannon, their fullback too, if he's the only running back on the roster. Indianapolis is a great matchup. You can play him in GPP any week. I know you're going to argue with me about that sometimes, but sometimes he goes crazy for whatever reason, garbage time, whatever it is. But I will never, ever in my life be caught starting him in, in fantasy football. Dude, I started Brian Hoyer in all my cash game lineups two weeks ago against the Colts. So I'm telling you, this this matchup is just so good that it's hard for me to pass up. Again, Blake Bortles, everybody's heard me talk about this show. I don't like Blake Bortles. He's a bad NFL quarterback. You love him. You love him so much. <laughs> I do, obviously, if I'm thinking about starting him. Jesus. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's basically where we're at is Aaron Rodgers owners. That's what really sucks. Fortunately for me, I only own him in one league, and it just happens to be the league I care most about. It's my home league uh, where it's like it's a keeper scenario where I was just like I my team was stacked and I was like, I'm just going to take Rodgers in the second round. And um, yeah, I'm paying the price for that right now. All right, so let's move on from Blake Bortles. And I want to talk about Brent Hundley. Like, if you're streaming somebody, I would rather stream Brent Hundley than Tyrod Taylor, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get. We've seen him one time against Minnesota, and he got crushed. But you know what? So did the Saints. So did the Bucks. So did the Lions. Um, he's going up against the Saints this week. And the Saints have a better defense, but their pass defense is not very good. And Aaron Rodgers' backup quarterbacks, when they have a full week to prepare— in starts. Seven starts, 143 
fantasy points. Guys, that's 20 points per game. I'm not saying Hundley's going to do that, but against the Saints, there's a real possibility here. Plus, he's a runner. Like, he's going to get 40 rushing yards, right? Mm, Jim, I'm not sure how you feel about this matchup. I mean, I'm like the, the Saints defense has been really like better than expected, uh, especially recently. You know, Matthew Stafford last week completed less than 50 percent of his passes. New he Orleans, New Orleans actually ranks number nine in terms of pressuring the quarterback, whereas Green Bay, uh, they've allowed the sixth most sacks in terms of on a percentage base of dropbacks. So you, when you consider Aaron Rodgers mobility, it was kind of like out of necessity. Right. And on top of that, Brian Bulaga, their right tackle, they finally got him back and then he suffered a concussion this past week. So their offensive line is really in shambles. I'm trying to avoid this Green Bay offense if I can for a week or two just to see yeah. how they kind of respond. I understand that, you know, what Matt Flynn has done in the past and uh, a couple other quarterbacks, even Scott Tolzien to an extent. But I think that those were in short stints where it was just a very like a one game off situation where it's like teams now have to game plan for Brett Hundley. And it's not just a one week thing. It's going forward. I just I'd rather stay away from the offense if possible this week. What's your take on it, Jim? Yeah, it's not just Bulaga. David Bakhtiari re-injured his hamstring and their left guard, Lane Taylor, got rolled up on. It did not look good. Um, so there is a possibility they're playing this game without 60% of their starting offensive line. And that scares me so much. And it's not, you mentioned the pressure rate for the Saints. They, If you look at expected points lost on sacks due to dropbacks, they have the third best mark in the entire league defensively. Like the Saints might kind of have a legit defense. Right. So... I don't want to touch uh don't want to touch Hundley if the offensive line is still banged up. Like if they get Bakhtiari Bulaga back, I, I'm fine without Taylor, that's fine. But if they get both Bakhtiari and Bulaga back, maybe I'll go Hundley. But if they don't get those guys back, I might just roll the Saints defense again, honestly. Yep. You know, uh, the Saints were really good at the end of last year, too. They crushed Jameis Winston. You remember everyone was saying trade for Jameis Winston before the playoffs start. <laughs> and uh, yeah. he's going to be really good because he goes against the Saints twice. Just whooped them. Uh, the Saints were really good the last four games of the season. They've been really good three out of five so far this season. So, yeah, Saints defense is the real deal. Yeah, and if you if there's one thing to take away from this quarterback conversation before we move on to running backs, uh, it's that it's not a great week to be without Aaron Rodgers and uh, yeah. uh, with, like look, no. looking for a streaming quarterback. So there's just not very many good options this week. And I'm worried about Winston's injury as well. Uh, Philip Rivers, you can't play him against Denver, in my opinion. So yeah, it is an ugly week. Now, before we move over and talk about running backs, let's take a moment to talk about the sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek.com. When football left St. Louis, a bunch of my friends got into blues hockey, and I wasn't really into it. I've never really seen much hockey, only know the rules of the game through video games when I was a kid. And I went to a game last year. It was the best sport to see live. So I'm going back, and I wanted to find a ticket. So, of course, I went to SeatGeek.com so I could zoom in and find the exact seat locations as well as their unique seat value tool. SeatGeek is simple and easy to use and the smartest way to buy tickets. I got myself some tickets. I'm pretty pumped. And the mobile experience is as good as it gets. Make SeatGeek your go-to site. I'm certain you won't regret it. I certainly have not. And we've got a deal for our listeners. You get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase if you download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASYPROS. Again, the promo code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, let's move on over to running back. And uh, I'm not sure what we do with this Green Bay Packers backfield. I've got Ty Montgomery right now at number 27, Aaron Jones at 29. I'd prefer not to start either of them, especially behind the offensive line. But I think they're just going to split touches. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. We looked at if you look at um, the week six game before Montgomery got hurt again, they were basically even in snaps. I believe it was 20 to 19. Montgomery had one more snap than Jones, but then Tymont got hurt again. 
And I think that the one thing that does help Montgomery is that if he's healthy, he will be involved in the passing game, whereas Jones, in that game against Dallas, I don't believe he had a target that entire game. So I view Montgomery as being the safer asset of the two again, assuming that he's healthy, got banged up again against Minnesota. So I want to see practice reports this week before I get to invest in him. The offensive line, like you mentioned, Bobby, a concern there as well. So I think Montgomery, if they're both fully healthy, is the better asset right now. But they both do just kind of cannibalize each other. And I would expect that they rely on the rush a lot. But with Sheldon Rankins there, the Saints have been a lot better against the rush. So it's just kind of like a situation where I feel like I'll be forced to use them, but I don't necessarily want to that much. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's pretty much it. That, that sums up my feelings is that you really don't want to use them. But you're at the point now where it's like you're looking at running backs and guys like Orleans Darkwa, Duke Johnson, Buck Allen, uh, even Yuck. Deion Lewis. These are all guys that are like <laughs> starting for fantasy teams. It's really ugly at running back. And honestly, it's really once you get outside the top like 20 at the position, But because beyond that, it's kind of like a free for all. The issue like for me, I'd, I'd much prefer a player who has like massive upside than to someone like like Ty Montgomery. I just don't think he has massive upside now in a timeshare on a, on a highly questionable offense with an extremely bad offensive line. I'd rather Still take, playing hurt. Yeah, and I'd rather play someone on, like I'd rather play a high upside option like James White or Deion Lewis in my fantasy time or Mike Gillisley, who most people are going to come at me and like destroy. Um, and I, I don't blame them because I've been on Mike Gillisley saying that he like last week I expected him to score a touchdown and um, that didn't really work out. I mean, and then it's like going back to it this week. It's like the Falcons are coming into New England. The Patriots are a home team. They're a favorite. Atlanta doesn't stop the run particularly well. So it, it just all makes sense for my Gillisley. But I understand why people don't want to trust him. At the same time, don't trust him. That's fine. But that doesn't mean you don't play him. That, 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 that doesn't mean that you don't play him over guys like Frank Gore, who have totaled in between 42 and 57 yards every single game this year. So it really comes down to upside. And I think if I'm looking for an RB3 or a flex option between all these guys, I'm looking at the guys who could potentially score two touchdowns. The Jaguars also gave up like 3,000 yards to Elijah McGuire and Bilal Powell. Like you're telling me Frank Gore can't get 60? Mm, I mean, 60, that, that, that would be like a, a big thing for him if he hit 60 yards. <laughs> yeah, Marlon Mack right. get to 60 on three carries. Marlon Mack. He, he could get to 60 like. on half a carry. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather play Marlon <laughs> the way Mack. he's clipping. I'd rather yeah. play Marlon Mack 100%. Yeah. Orleans Darkwa against Seattle. Like, I know he was our number two pickup tags, but I just can't see it, man. Like, the game script, we're, we're not going to see what we saw last week against Denver. They're getting Seattle. Like, are you telling me the Giants are going to be up big? No, they're definitely not. But Seattle's actually yeah, so maybe 12, 15 carries this week. Seattle hasn't been that really that good against the run this year. If there's one thing that where they're struggling, it's against the run. But I'm not I'm not playing Orleans Darkwood this week. Like, no, I mean, this could be the week where, you know, like last week we, we said that it was going to be hard for the Giants offense to score you know, seven points that that could be this week against the Seahawks. Maybe it happens just a week later. Uh, I'm not. No, no. I'd rather play Frank Gore than Arlene, Orleans Darkwa. So Derrick Henry did a lot in garbage time. Again, this is the second time he's done it. Uh, but DeMarco Murray is banged up. He's got the hammy issue. They're going against Cleveland. I almost wonder if Derrick Henry plays a ton this week and goes nuts. Good. Jim, what's your take on this backfield going forward? Do you think that they're going to start limiting? I know that they said after the game that, that they liked the way the timeshare went down in week six. And yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry's just been the better running back over the last, I would say almost it's, it's almost a year now. It's over the last 12 games I went back through and DeMarco Murray just hasn't been a very good running back. 
Yeah, I think the good thing, too, if you have Derrick Henry and are forced into a spot where you need to use him, like they have said that they want to use Derrick Henry to close out games and they're facing Cleveland. Yes, it's on short rest. Yes, it's on the road, but they're still five and a half point favorites. They actually opened as five point favorites. That line has been moving in their favor. So things getting even better for them. I think that this is a really good week to look at Derrick Henry, even though the Browns have been pretty good against the rush this year. I don't particularly care as much about that as a matchup as I do like what Vegas is saying. If they want to rely on Derrick Henry late in games, this is going to be a game to do so. So I kind of view Henry as being a very usable asset whenever the Titans figure to have a pretty decent lead. And I think that could totally happen against the Browns. So yeah, I think that Henry this week is a really solid option. Like I'm still using Murray if I have him, you know, he's playing through that hamstring injury. He's still getting involved in the passing game, but I think you can use Henry as well. I've got Henry 19. I've got Murray 25. So yeah, they're both starts for me. Yeah, Derek, Derek Henry, the, the issue with me is that he's not being used in the pass game at all. And the Browns, if there's one place where they've kind of allowed some work, it's, it's the passing game, which is where DeMarco Murray sees the most work. The Browns have still yet to allow a starting running back to score more than 12.7 PPR points against them this year. They have allowed a running back to do that, but no starting running back has done that. So it's um it's an interesting stat. It's just they get burned in the secondary so much, which is why you have to love Delaney Walker this week, like to score uh, one, if not two touchdowns. He's like probably the number one tight end play on the board behind Gronk uh, this week. Over just- Zach Ertz? I mean, it's a great matchup, but man, that's bold. I cannot bench. Like, I, I don't really care what the option is this week. I cannot bench Delaney Walker against the, the Browns. Like, they're so bad. Yeah, I love Delaney Walker this week. Uh, DFS is going to be a lot of fun because there's some gimmies going mm-hmm. on. And we'll yeah. talk about that in the next show. But uh, there's one other player I really want to hit on. It's Chris Thompson. Right now, he's up there number 20 ECR. Like, everyone's advising he's a start. But I'm kind of worried about this. Uh, I'm probably going to play him in flex if I've got him. I don't have him because I don't trust him from week to week. But against Philly, Philly has been dynamite against the run. Uh, they've even been shutting down pass catching running backs. So uh, I think this could be another bust for Chris Thompson. I actually don't mind Chris yeah. Thompson uh, just because if you look at his usage last week, like he had a, a, a season high in snap rate at, at 60%. We could see Rob Kelly come back this week, which may lower him. But like, I think that their commitment to Chris Thompson, despite what they have said, despite saying, hey, we're not going to increase his usage. We're not going to do this. We're not going to expose him to that and then still doing it. That to me says that they really do want to, you know, give him more touches and they should. So I I feel pretty okay about him right now. Yeah, I agree. The, this matchup isn't that bad. It actually favors what he does well because the going over the last two weeks, the Eagles defense has allowed 18 rushing yards on 26 carries. Like, I'm going to say that again. 18 rushing yards on 26 carries the last two weeks. Like, <laughs> oh, man. That's uh, that's somewhat ridiculous. Like, it says more about the Cardinals and the, the Panthers than it does the Eagles, but it's still something to, to note. And so McCaffrey last week totaled 10 catches for 56 yards and a touchdown against him. The week before that, it was Andre Ellington getting nine catches for 65 yards. And going back to their week one matchup where these two teams played, Uh, Chris Thompson had four catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. So the Eagles have already allowed three running backs to accumulate more than 50 yards receiving. So I just think that this is one that favors him quite a bit. And the the, the only 
the reason that I, I kind of like him a lot is because the Eagles and Carson Wentz are going to be going against a, a Washington defense that just lost their first round pick, Jonathan Allen. He's out for the season, they announced earlier. He's one of their better pass rushers. They are going to be without Josh Norman. They may be without their number two cornerback, Bashad Breland, which means the Eagles are going to put up like tons of points against them. It's, it's That's like not a question. They're going to score on the Washington defense. That's going to happen. And Washington they really don't have a run game. You know, Samaje P. Ryan has looked like garbage in the time that he's been given. Even if Rob Kelly comes back, he may not be 100%. It's not like he's a game changer either. So, you know, with Terrell Pryor struggling, with Josh Doxson playing 25% of the snaps, it, there, there's, there's so many things that, that play into this. But Chris Thompson essentially needs to be used in this offense, kind of like Christian McCaffrey is used in the Panthers offense. So yeah. I, I, agree, I agree with Jim that uh, Chris Thompson is a solid play this week. Okay. Let's move on over to wide receiver, and uh, guys, this is ugly too. This is as ugly as running back, maybe more so. There's going to be a dozen people started in your league who don't deserve to start 90% of the weeks. It's just there's so many injuries. There's good players on buys. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about some of them. Nelson Aguilar against the Washington Redskins. He just keeps getting it done. And Jermaine Curse against the Dolphins, same kind of thing. Yeah, I think that Aguilar is the interesting one, Bobby, because the upside has been there. And what you like about Aguilar is that he has such a role down the field. And Wentz, at times at least this year, has been far more willing to throw deep than he was as a rookie. And that makes sense based on his weapons, based on having Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey there. So I kind of think if you are involved in the Eagles passing offense, you are in play this week, whether that be Alshon, Zach Ertz is a a tremendous option this week too, Uh, Aguilar the same thing. Like, they're in a really good spot. Tags just mentioned all the injuries that Washington has to its defense, not just in the secondary, but up front as well. So I like Aguilar. I think that my concern with Curse is that last week the Jets seemed to narrow down their target tree to being mainly Robbie Anderson and ASJ. That could have been matchup-specific facing the Patriots or something, but like that does worry me a little bit. So I think that he's not a bad option, Jermaine Curse isn't, but I think that if I'm choosing between him and Aguilar, I'm just going for the upside and going Aguilar there. Yeah, I love Alshon Jeffrey this week. So uh, I think Aguilar takes a little hit, but you still, you got to start him. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to start Robbie Anderson or Willie Sneed or Mike Wallace over him? I I can't do it. No, no, (laughs) no. Here's a question. Who would you start, Nelson Aguilar or Terrell Pryor? Who? Man, that's brutal. <laughs> I'd still start Terrell Pryor out of yeah. like pure stubbornness. Like I, I didn't like him coming into the year. I liked him after week one. I now hate him again. But like, whatever. I'm just gonna throw him out there and see what happens. I guess it, it stinks. <laughs> yes, Terrell it Pryor, and yeah, it really does. Like I can't even say he is a buy low right now. Like he's performing no. this bad. I don't <laughs> know if he's gonna bounce back. Because he's like, he might he's like just not be very good. Yeah, I it's it's so ugly with him. I own him in one league, and I I can't stand that I drafted him. Um, like if you can trade Will Fuller for Terrell Pryor, would you even do it, Tags? I I would leave Will Fuller on the waiver wire if he was available in my league. <laughs> <laughs> out of out of like uh, out of defiance for his insane production. Um. I don't know, out of defiance for his two targets per game. That's like, why I, would, I mean, I wouldn't leave him on the wire, but like, I'm not, I, I have no faith starting him at least. Yeah. I, I, I'd rather own James Conner than Will Fuller. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't even know where we're at. Um, but yeah, I would rather own Will Fuller than Terrell Pryor. I don't like Terrell Pryor at all anymore. Wow. Um, and I honestly hope that Josh Doxson, um, Gruden has come out and ta- and he's talked about uh, getting Doxson more snaps, and that's something that needs to happen because 
I'll say it again, is that Josh Doxon is the best wide receiver on this team. One player I would start over Terrell Pryor and Nelson Aguilar that is probably going to go under the the radar and might be available on a few waiver wires is Danny Amendola. Yeah, Amendola. Yeah. Yeah. Against the the Atlanta Falcons, who this game has an over under of 55 points. People are going to be chasing uh, Brandon Cooks. They're going to be chasing Chris Hogan. But the area that that the Falcons have really struggled this year is stopping slot receivers over the last three games. They've allowed Jarvis Landry a touchdown, Jordan Matthews a touchdown, Gold and Tate a touchdown. So uh, I think this is a week where Danny Amendola, who has, by the way, been getting targeted solid. Uh, he's had solid targets through um, the games he has played. So I think he's someone who is squarely on the wide receiver three radar. And another player that I'd be curious to hear your guys' take on is how you feel about Robert Woods. I know we mentioned him earlier in the show, but it's like a thing every single week, right? Where we find the number one wide receiver against the the Cardinals. We fade that guy. We find the slot receiver. We we kind of fade him, which is Cooper Cup. And then we find the next guy and maybe even the fourth guy and play the crap out of those guys. And Robert Woods is that guy this week. So how do we not play Robert Woods in season long leagues? I mean, my question is, is Robert Woods actually their number one wide receiver, though? Like, he's kind of being treated as if he is. But like, Peterson, I'm a huge wouldn't it be great if Peterson fan. shadowed Robert Woods this week? Oh, my God. That's not happening. I would probably cry my eyeballs out if he did. I would laugh so but hard. But it'd be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got Robert Woods number 48. I mean, most weeks I've got Woods around 65. So, like, this is a good week for Robert Woods. But um, unless you're playing in, like, a 14-team league, no, I'm not starting Robert Woods. I'm I'm thinking he's a wide receiver three this week. Like, I'm not even kidding. Is that wow? I want to play him. No, no. Like, do you realize that he has now in three of his last four games, he's he's caught at least five passes and he's totaled at least 66 yards. Yeah, he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. So but he's seeing consistently seven targets per game, essentially. So, I mean, with Sammy Watkins struggling with Sammy Watkins, seeing Patrick Peterson in coverage with uh, Cooper Cup matching up with Tyron Matthew, who is not quite the same player, but still. I just feel like Robert Woods is like the instant effective. He's like the Torrey Smith from a couple weeks ago. The Torrey Smith and Nelson Aguilar where, you know, we knew not to play Alshon Jeffrey. So just go to the other guys. And um, that's worked out like all the time. He, so, he went for 66 against the Seahawks, 70 against the Jaguars. Like he's not been doing it against cupcake teams. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm saying is like Robert Woods is like he really is on my radar this week. And I haven't taken a look too much at DFS stuff, but I would assume that he's probably one of the lower priced uh, wide receivers. And I think he could be considered in cash game lineups. I'm just saying it right now. Yeah. If, if his price is, is low, of course. I mean, I like I said, I haven't looked at him <laughs> right. just yet, but if his price is around that four thousand range, I would absolutely play him in cash. I built my early cash game lineup and you know who's in it tags is Benny Fowler. Uh, we talked about him on the waiver wire episode. I'm not picking him up unless I need a streamer for one week, but against the Chargers with Emmanuel Sanders out, I mean, Fowler's already playing 75% of the snaps every single game. I think that Hayward lines up on Demarius Thomas and Fowler ends up getting six to 10 targets and uh, he's not great, but with that kind of work um, going up against the defense like the Chargers, I, yeah, I think he could have be a real nice pickup and I, I'm playing him in flex this week. A fun fact, Bobby, is um, it's a stat from the primer that'll be out on Thursday, is that um, he, Benny Fowler, leads 
<laughs> the Broncos in red zone targets. He has six of them, whereas uh, Emmanuel no Sanders way. has five. And, and Demarius Thomas, I think it's either two or three. So, yeah, he leads their team in red zone targets. He obviously is going to see a bump. And Demarius Thomas, that's the thing. Emmanuel Sanders is out this week. And Demarius Thomas suffered a leg injury that required x-rays. So, obviously, it's, it's yeah. very possible that he's playing at less than 100%. So, Benny Fowler. And also, Bobby, Benny Fowler scored two touchdowns against this Chargers team the last time they played. So, it's uh, interesting. Yeah, three red zone targets for Benny Fowler just last week once uh, Emmanuel Sanders was dinged up and DT was banged up too. So like he had two in week one, he had three last week. Like he's not a guy I actively want to use, but there are a lot worse options, I would say, than Benny Fowler at least. Yeah. Guys, I can't figure out what to make of Teddy Ginn and uh, and Willie Sneed going up against Green Bay. <laughs> I know that they're, you know, Green Bay is going to allow a lot of passing to Drew Brees, probably. I mean, Drew Brees wasn't great last week in a situation where we all thought that he would be. But, you know, Ginn and Sneed, neither of them really doing too much. So what do you do, Tex? Uh, I would prefer Willie Sneed of these two. Um, last week, he did get some snaps. Like, he didn't play a full complement of them. I think uh, Brandon Coleman still played, like, 11 snaps. So he was splitting a little bit. But with the Packers, Quentin Rollins was the one that was supposed to be covering the slot. Now, he's apparently out. I want to say that he's not going to be playing this game. So Willie Sneed is going mean, to... That, that was... So whenever you think this, whenever you see someone get hurt that wasn't playing well, you're just like, oh, wow, that stinks. We were targeting him. But it says a lot. When a Packers team that is really cornerback deficient, uh, talent deficient at cornerback, when they're playing someone, even after he repeatedly gets burned over and over and over and over again, it just tells you what they have as the, on the rest of the roster. Yeah. So considering that Willie Sneed should have dominated that matchup to begin with, um, it's a matchup where I kind of like him this week. And I, I, I can't go away from Michael Thomas. Obviously, I think that that's a bounce back situation. But Willie Sneed, if you're if you're like and you're having bi-week blues or you have injuries and you're like trying to just scrape together something. Nobody wants to play Willie Sneed, but his matchup is actually really, really good this week. Cool. I like that. Yeah. I think if I'm choosing between the two, I would go Willie Sneed there. Uh, I just, I want to avoid everyone not named Michael Thomas in that receiving group because I honestly think that like this could just be a game where the Saints just pound the rock, like go on the road to Green Bay facing a team that has a decimated offensive line and no quarterback. Why not just give Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara like a ton of runs? So I think of the two, I agree. I'd rather have Sneed and like there are situations in which you'll have to use Willie Sneed this week. But like Ted Ginn's target totals are five, six, three, two and four. Like, right. I cannot trust that no matter how much long ball ability he has. Like, I can't go there. I agree. I'd rather go Sneed over Ginn. But as a whole, like this receiving core outside of Michael Thomas is just basically non-existent to me. So could I pick your guys' brain on one more player at uh, the wide receiver position that I'm sure I, I guarantee you there's there's a few hundred people listening into this podcast right now who are waiting for us to talk about Martavis Bryant and the fact that, you know, this whole trade rumor scenario, we, we've talked about that in the podcast already, but... Is this a situation where the squeaky wheel gets the grease and the, you know, they are at home. This is a team that has scored tons of points at home. We talked to you, Jim, you mentioned it, that Adam Jones and both Drake or Patrick are banged up that we don't even know if either of them are going to play or if one of them is going to play. It's tough to say. We do know that Martavis Bryant can burn any DB in one-on-one -on -one coverage like that. That happens all the time. And if, if Antonio Brown is forced into man coverage with, with Drake or Patrick, they're obviously going to help him out over the top. So what do we do with Martavis Bryant? I'm of the mindset that he's a wide receiver four in fantasy right now, but one that if you're trying to decide between him and someone else, like it's if it's even close in your mind, you go with Martavis Bryant because he presents the higher ceiling. 
Yeah, I think for me, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, he does have some upside. But I'm also okay dropping him at this point because the snap rate was 51% last week. And he has been out-snapped by Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, like, each of the past three, three or weeks, four yeah. games, yep. I, I yep. want to say it is. Yeah, past three weeks. So honestly, I think that Juju Smith-Schuster is the number two wide receiver there. Darkwest Denard has played pretty well this year for the, the Bengals. So I don't know, matchup-wise, it definitely does favor Martavis, the outside wide receiver over Juju. But they've also had Eli Rogers. He came back last week. He started playing the slot. They moved Schuster out, or Smith-Schuster outside of it. He could benefit too. So if I'm choosing between Martavis and Juju Smith-Schuster, I am using the guy who is playing more snaps. That's Smith-Schuster. So I really want to avoid Martavis Bryant if I possibly can this week, personally. So guys, before we move on over to tight end, I've got a quick game for you, okay? I'm just going to give you six names. You tell me one that you would start out of the six and one that there's no way you would start. All six of these guys are kind of nightmares. Like they're on a bunch of teams. They have not been doing it this year. Randall Cobb, Eric Decker, Jeremy Macklin, Terrell Williams, Jamison Crowder, and Dante Moncrief. Jim, I'll let you go first. Who's the one out of that group that you would start if you had to? Uh, Eric Decker. Uh, fully Eric Decker. Like Tags mentioned the matchup before, and it's also just a better matchup for Eric Decker because he's not facing Jason McCourty, which will probably be the the brunt there for Richard Matthews. And we saw Decker get a season-high nine targets last week. He has multiple deep targets, throws at least 16 yards downfield in three of the four healthy games for uh, for Marcus Mariota. And Decker has a third of their red zone targets this year. It's a very small sample because they have not had a lot of red zone passing, but that's still significant. So I actually really don't hate Eric Decker this week at all. Glad to hear that because I've got him and I will be relying on him. I'm fully on board with that. Yeah, the yeah going uh, the Browns dating back to all the way in 2015, they've allowed multiple passing touchdowns in 25 of their last 31 games. Whew. So who's the who's the one out of that group that there's like no chance you guys would start? Probably Randall Cobb for me. Like I, I like Randall Cobb, the player. Uh, but last week when Brent Hundley came in, Randall Cobb had three targets. And now it's a situation where they're in a bad situation. He does get a great matchup this week with Kenny Vaccaro. Like that's good. I like that. But like with Brent Hundley starting in a situation where I'd assume the Packers want to run the football while they still can, the offensive line is banged up. Like, I, I mean, I'd probably have him above Jameson Crowder, I guess, if I'm okay. really being honest about the, the list of guys there. But I think that, like, Cobb scares me a lot. I'm lower on Cobb than consensus than I am relative to J- Jameson Crowder, I think. I I think mine that I would absolutely not play is Dante Moncrief. Moncrief um, against the Jaguars. Yeah, the Jags are like they have the one of the best perimeter, if not the best perimeter cornerbacks in the game. Dante Moncrief doesn't go into the slot basically at all. Uh, this is just not a week where I'd want to touch Moncrief at all. He had seven targets last week. I know he did. He also dropped a red zone. T- he actually dropped a touchdown in that game. Um, but it, the matchup was so good uh, against the Titans where it's like he should have had a bigger game. And I thought that he was actually on the streaming radar. He should have had a really big game because he should have ended up with, I want to say, 70 yards and a touchdown. But instead, it was like 50 something yards and no touchdown. So nobody walked away thinking anything. He was someone where it's like once Andrew Luck came back, he was going to have some value. But no, I would not. He's like, I would be surprised if he scored more than three fantasy points. 
So guys, over at tight end, uh, it is easy this week. Like the top five guys all have pretty good matchups. Then you've got Austin Severian Jenkins with a great matchup. Hunter Henry's a must play. Jordan Reed, while he's healthy, is a must play. Evan Ingram's like the only guy Eli Manning has to pass to. Then you've got Cameron Brayton, and Kyle Rudolph, who I think are a start every single week. So then we get down, I mean, are, are there any of those guys that you wouldn't play? And then we get down to like George Kittle, Austin Hooper, Jason Witten, and it gets ugly really fast. I'd worry about Rudolph a bit if Steph Diggs comes back because his his usage has been dependent on Diggs being out because he had nine targets against Chicago when Diggs was out, or for part of the game at least, and then nine last week. But outside of that, not a ton of involvement. And if Brandon Williams is out again, like they're just going to run the football against Baltimore. They're at home. They're pretty heavily favored. Like I'd worry about Rudolph. Like I, I like Rudolph the player. I'm a, I'm a, the one of the biggest Kyle Rudolph fans in the world for fantasy, or at least I was entering the year. But if Diggs plays, I get pretty nervous about him. I guess. So like, who would you start over him? Jared Cook, Martellus Bennett, Kobe Fleener? Uh, I might start George Kittle. <laughs> okay, <laughs> honestly, yeah. Um, it's not just like the roommate narrative with Bethard. Like whatever, I don't really care about that. But like, once Bethard entered the game last week, he threw deep eight times. Two of those went to George Kittle, and tight ends don't get a lot of deep targets, so I would start Kittle. Uh, He also had three red zone targets in that game, all of which came after Beathard entered, and he had four red zone targets the week before that. So Kittle, like, the narrative is there, but that's whatever. I kind of just like the usage he has gotten, too. So I like Kittle, and I think Hunter Henry would be above Kyle Rudolph for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hunter Henry is like an every week start. He got up to 82% of the snaps this past yeah, week. Baby. He is the number one. He's the number one tight end in LA. We've been waiting for it to happen. It finally has. So yeah, Hunter Henry's an every week tight end one. Like I don't even care about the matchup, but Baltimore. So Kyle Rudolph, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really good playing him this week. The reason is, is because okay. y- you mentioned it, Jim, that Stefan Diggs, when he's in the lineup, it's really affected the target totals. But I will also mention that Stefan Diggs over the last year and a half has not been the same player when he's on the injury report or playing partially hurt. Uh, when he when he's trying to, to gut it through with an injury, he's his his production has suffered. It's been really bad. So Cal Rudolph has developed a rapport with Case Keenum over the last couple weeks. Uh, I am more than okay playing him against a Baltimore defense who has only seen 30 tight end targets. On those 30 targets to tight ends, they've allowed six touchdowns on them, which is tied for the, the most in the league uh, <laughs> with amazing. the Giants. So yeah, that's that's quite ridiculous. Every five targets, they're allowing a touchdown to a tight end, which is fantastic for Kyle Rudolph, who is a presence in the red zone. Anyways, one player who I think that most people might overlook this week, and I think he's a locked in tight end one like I don't I haven't completed my rankings yet, but I will say that Austin Hooper is going to be in my top 12 tight ends this week. He's now had 16 targets over the last two games. He's totaled him into 12 catches for 98 yards. He has yet to score a touchdown since his long one against the Bears in week one. However, the Patriots have allowed a tight uh, touchdown to a tight end in five of their six games this year. The only team that didn't was Ed Dixon and the Panthers, who just don't score touchdowns. Uh, even Greg Olson doesn't <laughs> score touchdowns for them. So this is a week where you know that the Patriots are going to focus in on Julio Jones. It's been the storyline in Atlanta all week. And yeah. the fact that I uh, that Julio needs to see more targets. But the Patriots, they do game plan around a number one target. And Austin Hooper does not really fall in that category. So Austin Hooper is a rock solid tight end one this week. I like it. Okay, guys, let's close out with defense special teams. And uh, are are we going to ride the Saints again against Brent Hundley in his first start? 
It depends all on the offensive line. Like if Bulaga and Bakhtiari out again, sure. Like I'll, I'll go back to the Saints. Like they are, sure, they're on the road, which I don't enjoy, but they are favored and it is against a quarterback without a ton of experience and the offensive line in that case would be beat up. The Saints should get some sacks here. Uh, so if, if Bulaga and Bakhtiari sit, I really don't hate the Saints that much at all. I don't hate the Saints either. Again, they're pressuring the quarterback. Green Bay's got a bad offensive line. It's a recipe for success. Yeah. Um, I think the Dolphins are an interesting option. They're playing really good defense this year. That's kind of gone overlooked. Uh, they'll get TJ McDonald back, I think, in week nine, which should really help out in the secondary. But a defense that you should look at is the Tennessee Titans. I know that they've been playing like garbage this year, and their secondary is the weakest point of their team. But... Does Cleveland and Deshaun Kaiser, who is back under center now, we've, we we found out this morning, do they have the pieces to take advantage of that? I do not believe they do. So what do they do well? The Titans stop the run, you know, with their front seven. They defend linebackers pretty well. So I just don't see any way that Cleveland like posts a, a bunch of points against the Titans. We figure the Titans are going to get up in this game and going to force Deshaun Kaiser to throw a little bit. We've seen what he's done this year. There's a reason that they benched him. So I think the Titans are... Even though they're not a very good defense, I think that they're a solid streaming defense. Agree. Yeah, they're 11 for me, so I'd definitely start them uh, over a defense like the Arizona Cardinals, who a lot of people are still using a lot. Um, the Cardinals just have not been great. I'd even play them over the Eagles against the Redskins. Do you guys think the Cowboys are a decent option against uh, C.J. Beathard? Does that yeah, interest you at all? I've got them yeah, in the top sure. I mean, 20. The Cowboys are coming off a bye, too. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Like, they're not a good defense. They have a terrible right. secondary. Like, they're a bad defense, but they're favored, and they're facing a guy who is a third-round pick. He's a rookie. It's his first career start. Like, they're coming off a bye, too. So, like, I I, I don't love it because I hate their talent, but, like, from a, a true process perspective for defense, I really don't mind it that much. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a bad call. I don't think I could ever start Dallas even against Cleveland. I, I just I just don't think I could. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't make me feel good. I was just looking further down the list at someone who might still be available on the waiver wire if you're like searching for a desperation option. I think you can do worse than the Cowboys. What about the Giants as a desperation option? I mean, they were awesome against Denver. Um, they were, and but the thing is with them that, that really DRC worries me. Back too. But well, they do, and that's going to help out with Doug Baldwin. But the thing is, my concern with them is this was a team that was supposed to be able to get up to the quarterback and they haven't the Giants are one of the worst teams in the league at pressuring quarterbacks like they only have a sack on five percent of opponent dropbacks it's the fifth worst in the league so I mean that should change against the Seattle Seahawks who really can't stop anything they also just lost Luke Jokel on the offensive line so it's just yeah this, this offensive line is, is is like seriously it's a joke I I really I hope that they fix it. I don't know how they can. I don't know how you address as many problems as they have, but this could just be another Phillip Rivers where it's like Russell Wilson is going to have to deal with a bad offensive line his entire career, and it's going to make him look worse as a quarterback. All right. Well, that's all for today's show, Jim. We really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, A lot of fun as always, and good luck in week seven. Thank you. You as well. And for those of you listening at home, we do have that DFS show coming up. Make sure to enter the DraftKings $1 contest. That's fantasypros.com slash DraftKings. You can compete for a lifetime subscription to Fantasy Pros and $1,000 against me and Tag. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks also to the sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek.com. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve. 